You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And off we go. It's a Monday edition of the program, Colt Schnero Chat. I'm Jeremy, joined by the inimitable Robbie Dunn. How are you, sir? <laughs> How are you doing, Jeremy? I don't know about that, but thanks very much. <laughs> well, we are going to be talking today, Robbie, about the Madrid Derby on Sunday night at the Wanda Metropolitano. A rare Atletico win, Robbie. The first time in six years Atleti have won a league derby, and... Going into the game, the discussion about this one was really weird. Most of it was centered on the Paseo business, which I don't intend to spend much time discussing. But it was going to be always going to be kind of a strange game, given where these two teams are right now, both on and off the pitch. Atleti ultimately getting the 1-0 win via a Yannick Carrasco penalty that brings the team very, very close to qualifying for the Champions League mathematically next season. So let's start, Robbie, with what you think we might be able to take from this game? Um, I do think that it was... Uh, I want to stay balanced here in terms of what I thought Real Madrid, uh, how Real Madrid set up with the, the 11 that they put out, their attitude just in general for the game. I think it was... I think they were still in party mode after their, their midweek uh, heroics against Manchester City. Mm-hmm. But having said that, I do think that Atletico played really well. There was a lot of really good individual performances. I really liked what Simeone did in terms of playing Marcos Llorente as the second striker. Uh, I was really impressed again by Mateus Cunha. Yeah. Uh, Condogbia played well. 
Yeah, I think I think um, uh, I mean, yeah, it's it's hard to uh, really get a feel for what this means other than it's three points in the bag. It's a nice kind of feel good win against the local uh, the, the city rival. Um, but I think there was glimpses of when we say, when we talk about what the ideal Atletico Madrid looks like and, and how they can evolve into a better side, a more consistent and, and competitive side, this kind of and, and not just because they, they won, but there was there was times in the first half when it really looked like this this um especially with Mar uh, Llorente and Mateus Cunha in attack, I think it looked like a, a it looked like a setup that could really cause problems for teams. Yeah, I think that and I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And I think, again, it's difficult to analyze because of how the season has gone. And Madrid not really, I don't want to say they didn't care about this game, but Ancelotti rested half a dozen starters, right? Benzema didn't play at all. Modric and Vinicius only came on after the hour. Uh, Thibaut Courtois didn't play. Danny Carvajal didn't play. David Alaba didn't yeah. play. So, yeah, it was a weird lineup for Madrid. And Atleti, full credit to Atleti for taking advantage of it. Because I, I spoke with Kian Sabani before the show for a preview pod, and he made the point that all the pressure was going to be on Atletico, right? Because Madrid have done everything they can do this season. They've clinched the league with four weeks to spare, and they're in a Champions League final. So for Atleti, this was a really important game in the sense that they needed to rise to the occasion in a way that they haven't frequently done this season. And, and I thought at the very least, the team's attitude was the correct one. Psychologically, this was a boost. Yeah, but um, I, will, I will say to that, and, and, and I think that Carlos uh, Casemiro came off after an hour or something, and mm. him and Ancelotti were having a giggle, and the, uh, yeah. like, and they were goal down. And uh, I think, um, I think, and 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 I and I just, uh, I, I I do know that that they, it, it was like a preseason friendly for them. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, but but I think there was a little bit of pressure on Atletico in terms of if they didn't win that. Uh, they, 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 there would have been, it would have been just bad vibes, and you know. But, but, but having said that, I, I also, um, Atletico are the, are the masters of winning when they've got nothing, and not, not nothing left to lose, but nothing left to win. Um, and in a way, it was almost, um, it was almost, uh, I, I don't know what word you'd use, not goading, but like it was almost like uh, rubbing it in Atletico's faces. Real Madrid are going for a double Champions yeah. League and La Liga double uh, having demolished the competition in La Liga and Atletico are here scraping for fourth and it was kind of like kind of a bit sad in a way but having said that forgetting all that kind of stuff I do think that on an individual level and on a, on a and in terms of just the tactics I think Simeone showed some showed uh, so, some nice nuance to what he was planning and, and I think that yeah a couple of players have shown showed that that they that they can definitely offer something in in a, in a higher pressing system and um uh, but having said that it doesn't matter because the league is gone and <laughs> when it actually mattered they didn't play that way and yeah, yeah so 
Exactly, and that's frustrating. It really is frustrating because we we, we spoke about that, and uh, um, it's just that uh, when you see Atletico playing like that, and you're 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 exactly right. I mean, the, the attitude is really good. The pressing, the the tackling, the the Condobi uh, in the middle was was excellent. But when it actually mattered, and and in a game, and then you just wonder in a game that really really mattered. Can Real Madrid or can Atletico Madrid beat Real Madrid? And I just I don't know. Like I mean, so Cunha, I'm just looking here at his minutes, and I understand that he was injured. Um, he that was later on in the season, but he played ten minutes, nineteen minutes, thirteen minutes, twenty three, thirty one, seventeen, eighteen, six, fifteen, seventeen, seventy one. Six and it kind of got into it then. Twenty two, eighty, like. And these these are all from appearances ranging from August to December, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, well, yeah. that's from the very first appearance against Villarreal. We got yeah. ten minutes to all the way through, and, and then, then he he starts the game against Mallorca, and then he gets hurt against Levante a couple months later. Yeah, yeah, Levante was, and um, yeah, we we've spoken about him before, but I think that this is the kind of guy that. You don't build your team around him, but he can offer something that is... It's a rare thing in La Liga, given the fact that... the um, Given the fact that it, it, it's not really uh, a high-octane, high-pressing league, I, I think that the likes of him, uh, uh, paired with someone like Marcus Llorente in attack, could... could revolutionise this side, really. And I, don't, I know that sounds a little bit maybe hyperbolic, but... He could. He works so hard. He's so rangy, and and he he he's almost like having another Condogbia because in 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 attack, because he he can he can close off passing lanes and and uh, he can he, he's really aggressive, and and then he can play football on top of that. Some of his link up play today was excellent, and he might not score you twenty goals in a season, but he'd probably get you twelve or fifteen. And if he plays regularly. But uh, yeah, and, and then Marcus Llorente, like, I think that Marcus Llorente is a player, and we saw it yesterday, um, who he's playing in six gear, or he's playing checkers, sorry, he's playing chess, and everyone else is playing checkers. This team isn't built to accommodate and support and to uh, get the best out of Marcus Llorente because he wants it the ball quicker he wants uh, everything to happen faster and it just sometimes doesn't with Atletico Madrid which is their main problem really it's just all too slow um, and but 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 Llorente if you can say put him there the problem with playing him as a second striker and having him press like that I mean you're and this sorry we'll speak about this in a little bit but you are you can't play like that for 90 minutes. It's so hard to do, and even less so uh, to do it over the course of a full season, and even less so when you don't have the squad, which we'll speak about. Yeah, uh, when, when you don't have the squad, when you don't have the physical capabilities or the, the sports science methods that teams in England do. Exactly, and yep. when you don't, when the fall off, okay, obviously when you play someone's backup, there's going to be a drop in, in, in production, there's going to be a drop in quality, but when it's when it's not not even so much a drop in quality, there's nobody even like him that could play in that position. So you actually have to play a different system, um, and that just doesn't work. 
then mm. you're just completely relying on your ente, and that's not really. And, and this is why Atletico Madrid are going into a summer now, where and I've been critical of Simeone this season, and I and I do think that he 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 is slow. He he doesn't fully understand exactly what it is that he's trying to do, and I, and but I, I also am understanding of the fact that this isn't a very very good squad, and um, so yeah, they're going to have to buy players that. Firstly, they're going to, have to decide what who they want to be, and then go and buy players that uh, that that are able to carry out the roles that they need within the squad, and have maybe two or three players at each position to to do that. Yeah. Even if that means filling in from the academy and stuff, not obviously buying or two or three um, buying players to build that kind of squad. But they're probably going to have to buy six or seven players. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like there's a, there's a sizable overhaul, agents. sizable overhaul coming this summer. I would say so. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like you look at you look at the right back position. You look at the. You look at the uh, like, like you look at right back. You look at the midfield options, like behind Kondogbia, specifically in that profile in that position. Uh, you look at the just the lack of balance in this squad. I, I think if they invest in a starting quality right back, and if they invest in another pivot to compete with Kondogbia, uh, they will be a much better team. Uh, just if they make those two signings, that will significantly improve them. Now they need to make more in order to compete at the level of Real Madrid next season. Uh, but that'll be a good start. <laughs> I, I, I think yeah. Shime Versalco, and not to get too far off topic, I think Versalco uh, is a fighter. I think he's a really gritty player, and I like what he offers defensively. But it is, frankly, a little tragic to watch him in the offensive phase of the game. There's no discernible chemistry with Llorente. Uh, and Versalco, unfortunately, because of the knee injuries, just doesn't have that, athletic, that athleticism, that elasticity that he used to have as an attacking fullback. Um, that was the reason why the Trippier sale was so devastating in January and why Atletico haven't found a way to replace him. They need to do that this summer. Just uh, those two signings would go a long way toward improving Atletico's ceiling for next season, but there needs to be more beyond that. And that is where, that's where the debate lies as to what Atletico are going to do, uh, which team, exactly which team they want to be. If they want to be a team that is reminiscent of the earlier Cholo years, then they need to play with a front line that is built around Mateus Cunha's capabilities. If they want to continue uh, primarily having a player bring down long balls out of central defense rather than playing through an opponent's midfield or recruiting players who can play through an opponent's midfield, then Cunha needs to be a starter next season, and they need to roll with it and see just what his ceiling is. I thought he played really well yesterday, too. Just so much verticality, agility, intelligence, he wins the penalty that Carrasco converts five minutes before halftime. That was the, other than the goal he could have scored in the second half, that was the ideal performance for Cunha, an ideal showcase for him, and he made the most of it. Yeah, and he, even even those long balls where Atletico are then willing to step up in midfield and win the second balls, yep. which is back to the which is back to the tactics and also the attitude that they that they showed and the willingness to fight for them and um, yeah, I'm just being a, a much more aggressive team and I'm being closer to the and not letting Real Madrid settle. Now I do also um, understand and and, and accept that if if Madrid starts, uh, it's a different story. And it's also the problem is 
it, it worked yesterday because Correa played as a right midfield uh, with Nacho playing as left back. If that's Furlan Mendy or another a really attacking left back, I don't know if that works with Versalco and Correa. You're going to have to find someone, and like basically, I've got it. I've got the solution. You got it now. They need. They need to clone Marcus Llorente three times, not just once. Three times, three okay. Three times. Okay. Yeah. So the original, we'll have the original, Llorente 2.0, Llorente 3.0, and uh, how many is that? <laughs> you got, you got three right there. Okay. So we've got a right back, a right midfielder, an attacker, and then a, a substitute to bring on. So, no, but I mean, I think... Yeah, that, that that's and I would say Simeone has taught that like obviously not obviously not cloning <laughs> players, but he's probably like I, I, I need to play Llorente. I, I need more Llorentes, like um, because he he's the right midfielder, and that's the that's perfect for him in that position. Obviously, we saw that last year on their way to the La Liga title, he was just immense, and then he had to be brought in at right back when Trippier left and Voss got injured which where is he yeah Uh, Daniel Voss is the forgotten man what a strange signing that was Simeone hasn't even thought of using him he's not even injured anymore no he's been fit for like the last six weeks and he hasn't played Oh my god. Yeah, I just What is going on? I don't know. And you wrote about that when the signing was made, Robbie, is that what what team does does Atletico want to be? Like what is the idea from the front office? What is the idea from the sporting from Andrea Bear to the sporting director? Um because it's it's a bizarre strategy. Like it's it's a half measure, it's a patch, it's a bandage, and it's one that Simeone doesn't even think is is feasible, is viable. Really weird to bring in Voss like that. Yeah, I wonder did something happen though because he's he he like Simeone fought for that I think, and then he obviously got injured. But I, I don't I really don't get that. Um, and but like but yeah like in 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 the in the age of the transfer where transfers solve everything, it's teams are just like we need. And then I understand that 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 players want. Big squads, big enough squads with, with players capable of playing, and and the Voss one made sense in in in, in a logical, in, with some logic that he can play in multiple positions, has La Liga experience, um, he he's played with Bordalas a kind of an aggressive style, and and he set pieces and stuff like that. I, I get that to an extent, but it's also like. Is there nobody else? <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't mean that. No, no, not that is there nobody else, but it just didn't seem to make that much sense because he's not even a natural right back. Right. Like you, you need a right back rather than. I'd rather have a, a specialist in this in the in the case that that Atletico needed, so that they could have Versalco and Vas. Now the, the injury was really unlucky, so maybe the whole thing would look different without that. But if he's been fit for the last while and he's not playing, then yeah, that's just a a really strange transfer. And 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 sorry, in the age of the transfer, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Doesn't mean you and, should. That's exactly right. Yeah. So um. But yeah. So so anyway, back to cloning Llorente. How is this going? <laughs> no, this <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, the 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 the, the high pressing of a uh, and the attitude for, uh, from the with Cunha up there, just he changes the whole the whole look of this of this team. I think as as 
badly as Simeone screwed up in the loss in Bilbao last week, uh, that is how well he did on Sunday, aligning the team and picking the proper players to execute this this more modern, high-pressing style. Um, like, Adleti did end up defending in a low block for a good chunk of the second half, especially the last 10 minutes or so when Madrid had a couple chances. And if Vinicius is able to go at Versalco for more than 25, 30 minutes, this is probably a different result. Uh, Versalco was really struggling to track Vinicius Jr. in the uh, latter stages of the second half, and Modric came on and really changed the game. Uh, he's going to be doing this until he's in his 40s, I'm convinced. He's just, it's, he doesn't stop. He just, he just keeps on going. Uh, but I, I think Simeone ha- has found something here, and I really hope he persists with it and continues to experiment with it in these final three games and into preseason next year. What if a solution, if not the solution, is a 4-3-3? You have this really flexible front line with Cunha, Carrasco and Correa. It was effectively uh, a trident of, of of three in the first half, and almost immediately Correa has a chance that skitters just wide. Correa, or not, uh, that was Correa. Carrasco has one a few minutes later that hits side netting after he jukes Casemiro out of his his boots. That's in the first ten minutes of this derby on Sunday, and then Cunha, as we've talked about, he has this incredible athleticism and agility, and this insistence. Uh, to press high and win the ball and never give up on the play. Um, I think that is a really, I, I don't want to re- reuse the word modern, but this is a much more, um, I guess, athletic way. It, it's a, I think it, it gives Atleti a higher ceiling if you play with three forwards. And it also gets the best out of Koke. Koke played really well on Sunday, one of his best games of the season. Now, of course, we can ask this with several Atletico players. Where was this in September? Where was this in October, November, December? Why are we only seeing it now against the Real Madrid team resting most of their best players? Uh, I don't know, and and we we aren't going to know. Maybe some stuff comes out in the next weeks, months, about what has gone wrong this season. Maybe it doesn't. But I thought this was a really good Koke game. He was in more advanced uh, playmaking roles. He was able to receive more progressive passes, try to spring players loose from the left side of a 4-3-3. And this is where he plays for Spain, for for Luis Enrique Spain. And he is still, despite his struggles at club level, an undisputed starter for the national team. So it's clear that there is still a player there, but Simeone has not been able to get the best out of Koke because he's been sticking him in central midfield where he's been overrun for pretty much the entire season. Um, This was a really good game for Koke, a great game for Carrasco. Should Atleti hang on to him? Robbie, I mean, I know he's 28 going on 29, and he wants one last big contract. Newcastle or Tottenham might come in for a big offer, might come in for him with a big offer. Do you hang on to Carrasco at all costs? Is he that unique an individual player, that special a talent? I, I would say it, it It depends. If you're not keeping Griezmann, I would say Carrasco, yeah. But obviously that depends on what kind of a silly bid comes in from the Premier League. I, I, I wouldn't be at all cost by, by any stretch. No, I think that you can... Because when you, I was going to jump in and say you read my mind in terms of the four tree tree, but then the tree that you mentioned, obviously it was a different tree that you mentioned. But if you put a tree of Cunha at the top with Joe Felix and Marcus Llorente in in the tree, Condobia or or a number five with Coke and Rodrigo de Paul or Saul. Yeah, and then and then a proper true. full a proper four a pro, invest properly in in your in your full back in your uh, back four, so you get a uh, two, two you have comp- competition at right back two really good right backs, and um, 
Jimenez and Savage are fine, but but more competition there. Uh, the the and, injuries are just really yeah, problematic after, for them. Look, yeah, yeah, and and then and then Reynildo, and then maybe Lodi uh, as a fullback. No, get a proper fullback instead of this kind of hybrid player. Lodi is a winger, wingback. So that's your you get your four sorted, and then you've got your three. Because Kondogbia, I think, has come on massively, and I think that the reason why Koke played so well yesterday was partly because of the intensity of the game in general, but also because everyone was doing it, and he wasn't the one that was. He can't be the one to lead a press. He he's absolutely fine as part of a press, but he can't be the one uh, doing it all. And with Cunha and and Llorente, uh, uh, leading the press it meant that Koke had an extra uh, half a second to get closer and 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 it put the Real Madrid players under that little bit more pressure and all of a sudden Koke wasn't as exposed as as he is when players have the ball turned facing goal and are running at him because that's when there's trouble not just for Koke by the way for any for really player, anyone I mean, so, yeah yeah it's really really hard to 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 um to 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 play against a team that's able to do that and and to not have the backup uh, beside you and then to have a leaky back four where you're kind of you're hedging your bets you're not really going and if Atletico have a back four and John O'Black uh, there to 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 absorb any 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 player any threat that comes through it means that they can be a bit more aggressive and they're in what they're doing in the middle of the field whereas before and this happened and. Uh, earlier on in the season more so but Atletico were just so screwed because they were so afraid of of uh, exposing the back line that they ended up just uh, collapse, just melting in the middle of the field because they're like what do I do because if I step out we're finished mm-hmm. but if I drop back I'm inviting it and it was just uh, just one big mess so uh, yeah I think um yeah, like you said, a four-three-three with 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 obviously different personnel. My my first choice three would be Llorente, Cunha, and and Joe Felix, and that, that would be. I mean, that's a that's a really 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 tasty front three. And I think with Llorente on the right side of that four-three-three, you you get more with because the the an, an issue, if not the issue, with the four-three-three is how do you generate sufficient width? Like how do you generate enough danger in wide areas uh, but I, I think that flexibility the the tactical and just in terms of these players characteristics like we know the special talent that Joao Felix is we know how good he is with the ball at his feet how he just shrugs off pressure and is such a creative player such a unique profile we know that Cunha can do a bunch of Diego Costa like dirty work I, I with, with Cunha it's such an interesting case because I'm not exactly sure what his ceiling is, how high his ceiling is. I'm still not really sure if this is a guy who you start him regularly, he can go bag you 20 and 25 goals. I'm not sure if Cunha is going to be that player. But I can't rule it out either. He's still so young. He's 23 years old. This is his first season in Madrid. And he's shown a capacity and a capability to improve this team's attacking ceiling in a way that a few of the other forward options here just haven't consistently done. But if you if you look at... And everyone's raving about Barcelona, their business and everything. The front three, Cunha versus Aubameyang. Aubameyang ten years ago, I'm taking Aubameyang. Sure. But yeah, Cunha, I'm probably that's that's a fifty-fifty. 
there. Um, now Aubameyang scores more goals, but 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 Cunha offers more pressing and and um, uh, as you said, a modern kind of style. Just of the, the energy, the intensity he plays yeah. with. Yeah. And then Ferran Torres versus uh, Marcos Llorente. Uh, they're very very different players, so we're kind of apples and oranges. Yeah. There. But I mean, we're, we're, so that's a break even. And then Usman Dembele and Joe Felix. Uh, like. Lee, look, you're looking at a, that's that's as competitive as front three as you're going to get. And you look at Real Madrid. Okay, Benzema world class, but he is going on. What what is Benzema? Thirty four. Yeah, uh, he's not Benzema, slowing down, but he is thirty four. Yeah, Benzema, Vinicius, and um, Valverde. Valverde or Llorente? I'm probably picking Llorente. And then Vinicius and Joe Felix. I mean. I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. I know Vinicius has been good, but it's because of the system he's playing in and 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 the situation he's in. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I and you're right. And there's issues of width there. But if you get a proper right back, that and helps. you play, uh, you play Rodrigo de Paul or Saul or whoever it happens to be there to to, to slot in a right back when necessary. All of a sudden, you you get the width from your fullback because things are things are stable at the back and you've got cover there so uh, I don't know I think Simeone has a lot of thinking to do but I think I think he, he has shown he has shown a, a willingness at least I don't think he fully understands yet and uh, what it is that he wants to do or tr- is trying to do but I think that um, uh, he has at least shown a willingness to, to try and change this team and system and I think because of the situation with the squad and the injuries and everything he we haven't actually seen exactly what it is that he wants to do I still think he plays in like and, and when we say 4-3-3 that's just a, a, a concept almost like it's, it's 4-3-3 in attack in defence it would be a 4-4-2 like mm-hmm. maybe and you, have, and you have Urente, right. Urente and or Joao Felix drop into the midfield line. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like like um, alternating whatever side of the field it's on. Yeah. So so I think Simeone is still a four four two, a proponent of the four four two. Um, is is that a correct word? A proponent of the four four two. Yeah, I, I, I suppose so. He's an I, I guess advocate's probably more accurate than a proponent, but proponent oh, no, is, is oh, no, said frequently. Oh no, it's a proponent, a person who advocates a theory, proposal, or a course of action. There you go. Ah, so Simeone is a strong proponent of the four four two, and and I, I, I still think that is the case. But in attack, it can be a little bit more hybrid uh, and a four three three, or a, a bit more um, attacking, and, and you can you can solve the the rest of the problems. In in by by well that's up to him but uh, and the details of it I mean but uh, yeah I think yesterday was promising but I would also be realistic in the fact that this was a preseason friendly for Real Madrid yeah yeah and if if Madrid had been going full tilt this probably would have been a different result but conversely Atletico could have won this game by multiple goals Robbie uh, there were several chances that went begging. Uh, Correa and Carrasco inside the first 10 minutes. Cunha from a, a, a Griezmann assist in the second half, a Griezmann shot assist in the second half. Carrasco hits the post in the second half. Griezmann misses a sliding finish after he comes on for Correa at halftime. Yeah, this could have easily been 2 or 3 nil, which would have... I'm not sure how much differently it would have changed the perception, but the, the scoreline would have been 
would have been something. Uh, you know, but a, a win is a win. This is what Atleti will take from this game. Uh, the expected goals, I want to say Atleti generated two and a half to just over one for Real Madrid. So the one nil is a little bit deceptive, but not in the way that we would have, we ordinarily would think when these two teams meet. Uh, we've mentioned Saul a couple times on, on the show today, Robbie, and we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about him this season because he's, well, not here. He's been at Chelsea. Uh, but the expectation is that he comes back this summer and he's going to fight for a place in the first team. How much do you think Atleti have missed him this season? And does he have a role to play in the 2022-23 vintage of Atletico Madrid? Yeah, well, I guess I guess it, it depends on which Saul Niguez you're, you're asking about because the Saul Niguez that broke through, Atletico missed him massively and... But the, the Atletico Madrid, or sorry, the, the Saul we saw in the last year or two of of his Atletico is for he still is Atletico player. But previously, um, I think I mean it was yeah he just wasn't offering anything, and I I just wonder what the reason for that was and why he has struggled so much then at Chelsea. Um, maybe he just needed a break, a reset, and he'll come back now and, and he'll come back to Atletico and uh, refreshed and ready to, to, to fight again and he'll have learned a lot from the Premier League and how, how the, the physicality of from that and maybe maybe Simeone will understand a little bit better exactly what it is he wants from him and is asking from him and uh, yeah, maybe uh, sometimes a, a change is uh, a change is as good as a rest, and and for him it's uh, it's the the changes going to Chelsea might have helped him, but again we we won't know until we see what exactly Simeone has up his sleeve, and also if which version of Saul returns. Yeah, I think it's it's still even though we're now into the month of May, it's still a difficult question to answer. Uh, even though we're now into May and Champions League football for next season is practically almost mathematically secured, there's still a lot we don't know. There's still a lot that is fluid and un up in the air. Uh, Saul's versatility has done him no favors for a large chunk of his Atleti career. Simeone moved him around the chessboard uh, for, I think, several reasons, and the player never liked it much. I can understand why he was brought up as a central midfielder and his career got off to such a great start. And then it just, it stagnated after 2017, 18, he just kind of stopped growing as a player and he hasn't made tangible progress. He, he's taken steps backward actually in the past, probably two, three seasons, particularly it, it's a difficult one. And you also have to consider which position he's going to play. Like, is he going to be a patch at left back? Is he going to be, a winger is he going to compete for minutes in central midfield with guys like Kondogbia, DePaul, Lema, Koke? Because uh, that's a battle he's probably not going to win. Yeah, and, and I, I think that this this comes back again to um, the squad issues, and I think that for some players, Marco Llorente, we've seen this season, um, has struggled to. To, to, to adapt to he's played in, in a whole load of different positions this season for Atletico and he's, he seems to have been able to manage it a little bit better but his performance has definitely dropped and we saw yesterday he, he's really really frustrated um, a really really frustrated player and, 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 and those frustrations can manifest themselves in different ways for, for Llorente it manifests itself as him just being even more energetic than normal to run around looking for looking for the ball whereas for Saul it manifested itself as 
he just didn't know what to do like and, and where he was going to be playing and it feels like that uncertainty kind of bled into his game um, so if, if, if Atletico recruit wisely in the summer and actually get a proper right back and, and a replacement to the point where Llorente will be third choice rather than being second choice uh, or, or Saul will be third choice rather than second choice uh, and this has been an, you know what like this has been an ongoing issue and I think that um, there was, there was, I remember Thomas Party playing right back for Atletico oh yeah I, you know, yeah. this has been ongoing for for a number of years now, with with Saul being played there, Llorente being played there, and and okay, oh, it's great, and it's wow, these guys are so versatile, but it's not right, it's not right either, it's not their position. Um, Jose Jimenez and, played there too for a little while. Yeah, and yeah, they went. Yeah, they, 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 like Santiago Arias came in. Santiago Arias, another forgotten man at, uh, at Granada. Arias, uh, Versalco, um. And Versalco's only there now because Trippier is is gone. But uh, yeah, when when you look at it, when Trippier was was with Atletico, they were a completely different side. Way more creative, more width, more creativity on, on, from the from the right hand side. And and I think that they they really need to um, invest in that position uh, uh, during during the summer uh, with a, with a player that Diego Simeone really really wants and. Um, yeah, we'll get to we'll get to see exactly exactly what what Simeone's plan is, but uh, and and I think it will help the the mental health of the players or the or the certain or the the their ability to plan and prepare and get get the feeling for a position because like I said, it, it manifests itself with different in different ways with different players. Some players can accept that, and other players find it hard to keep moving around all the time. And it's like I I can't get comfortable. I need to build up these uh, uh, automizations with the different players and stuff um, around me and, and, and I need to kind of locate myself uh, within the position that you're playing me rather than being moved around a lot. So, uh, yeah, it's um, it's a massive summer for Atletico and uh, I think maybe last summer they they thought... They, they thought that the, the this it was a finished product with just some bells and whistles to add. And we taught that. I taught that too. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Saying I mean, they, that, they, to be fair, they had just won the league. I think a lot of people thought that. You know, that yeah, they. Yeah, this is no, a team absolutely. that had just won La Liga. Like it doesn't get better than that in Spanish football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but they, so they they added Rodrigo de Paul and 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 it would look fine. Everything looked good. But then we obviously saw that 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 wasn't that, that's a. Uh, it was not good. No. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. No. Really, really wasn't good. So it, masses. There's no pretenses here this summer I think they know that they're seriously they've fallen behind a resurgent Barcelona and a Real Madrid who are who just continue to defy the, the logic but and, and are also being chased now by Sevilla Betis and and La Real and, and La Real yeah exactly so if any of those three clubs and Sevilla continue to, to make the progress that they're making and Atletico continue to struggle as they have this season. You're looking at a massive fight for for Champions League again next season. Again next year, you're looking at a very similar scenario. And I, at least I hope the club understands that they have rather quickly fallen behind the uh, uh, the, the pack in front of them. And then, and then there's you know the teams that we just mentioned: uh, Villarreal, La Real, Betis, all behind them 
all, I think, capable of taking another step next year. Uh, we'll, we'll see how Bettis retains that team. We'll see how many of those players come back next season. I think there's going to be interesting, and guys like Guido Rodriguez, uh, I think there will be rumors about Fekir, but et cetera. Um, but as long as Pellegrini is there, you know the style they're going to play, and their their ceiling remains pretty high, remains European football. Um, so Atleti need to understand that, and Simeone needs to understand it too. I, I, he at least understood that this Atletico Madrid side needed to continue evolving, to avoid being figured out, to avoid being pigeonholed or, or shoehorned into one box. But the attempts to evolve the team this season have resulted in getting shoehorned, right? Have been square peg round hole solutions, you know, 30, 40 different starting 11s, multiple different systems, sometimes during the same game. The need to evolve is great, and that Simeone has recognized that is great. It will serve the club well in the short and medium terms as long as he is still the coach here. But he needs to have a clearer idea of what it is he wants to do rather than just saying, we need to evolve, we need to... Well, well, tell me how you need to evolve. What are the things that you are looking to accomplish instead of just having these different players play the same system that you played six, seven, eight years ago? That doesn't work. As we have seen this season, that, that, that does not work. So the players need to buy in. Simeone needs to be clear on what he wants in the transfer market and how he wants this team to play. And if, if those things happen and if Atletico just nail this summer, then next season could be a lot different. It could be a lot more enjoyable. Uh, and this game against Real Madrid in a vacuum, like, listen, it doesn't matter much, right? But I think that we can glean a, f- a few interesting short and medium-term um, things, factors from this game that could determine how it let he do next season. Um, I think Kondogbia needs to stay. He's become a very important midfielder. I think Cunha needs to have a bigger role next season. And they need to sort out, obviously a couple of players are going to go. They're going to make a couple of big sales. They need to sort out who's getting sold. They're going to need to sort out the best way, the most efficient way to replace these players, reinforce the midfield, reinforce the defense, and and try again. But make sure these are players that meet Simeone's specifications too, because this is a highly specific system. These are highly specific characteristics and qualities that the coach wants. And I think with several transfers over the years, Atleti's transfer policy at, at boardroom level versus Simeone's transfer policy have been, they've clashed heads, right? They've been in, in direct confrontation with one another, and there needs to be more synchronicity. There needs to be more harmony this summer in what the club looks for. Yeah, and I think that um, yeah, that that's that's exactly back to the point that I was making. The the this like we we probably underestimate the amount of change that can happen in a season. A season is a really long period of time, so like to 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 suggest that Simeone picks a strategy and goes with it forever and for the whole season, that's it. Things change and you have to adapt, and that's fine. Yeah. But just, but but just, there has to be some kind of coherency. It can't be fighting fires two months into the season or three months into the season, which has actually become a trend in 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 Simeone's in Simeone's during Simeone's tenure, maybe for the last five or six years, where Atletico start really poorly and all the plans for the preseason are out the window after six weeks and it's like, okay, we're not gonna have to figure this out now. And then all of a sudden you're 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 chasing the season again. And um I think that once yeah, and and, and, and that was starts this summer with a coherent strategy, a plan to, to bring in the kind of players that are going to work 
uh, with, with contingencies and everything thought through and, and I think that obviously things pop up during the season but having as many of those contingency plans uh, like for example Kieran Trippier like um I know it's difficult and there's no there's not the kind of money you can't just have people sitting around waiting for Kieran Trippier to leave or you can't like sign his replacement before he leaves. But they knew that he was leaving in this or they knew that he really wanted to leave in the summer. And you know, they obviously knew that he wanted he was probably gonna ask to leave again in, in January and they allowed that to happen and that's fine, but they didn't even bring in anyone to well, they signed Daniel Voss at the eleventh hour, but again, back to the point. Like Voss hasn't they, played though. That's the thing. And he hasn't played. You signed him, and, and Simeone does not count back. on him. And he's not even a right back in the mold of right. Really, here on Trippier, and uh, like, so would they not have maybe brought in someone during the summer to 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 fight fight with Trippier? And obviously they had Versalco, but that's a different profile too. So, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's going to be an interesting summer for sure. Well, before we get there, uh, Atleti had to play out the string here. Uh, Champions League qualification, we have to reiterate, is not mathematically secure yet. Atletico need three more points, one more win from these final three games to do it. And they can get that win as soon as Wednesday, Robbie, against an Chase side that surprisingly is going to be in La Liga for a third consecutive year next year. They have they've practically secured mathematical safety themselves. There's seven points clear of the, the relegation pack, Mallorca in 18th. So they need, what, I think two more points, three more points. They need one more win themselves. Uh, how do you see this game at the Martinez Valero going on Wednesday? It, it's a, it, uh, this is another problem that we speak about. Atletico tend to play better against teams that want the ball and are, and are ambitious. Elche are fighting for their, for their lives and... Yeah, it could cause problems for Atletico. What do they do? This is this is the the never ending problem uh, for 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 um, Diego Simeone. Once do they do they play like they did before and press and try to be, be aggressive and try to maybe score two or three uh, early, or do they or do they kind of sit and wait? And um, I, I think the fact that Real Betis have kind of like Atletico are six points clear. There's no way Atletico are dropping six points, and and Real Betis are winning their their all their last three games. Um, yeah, I I just think that and that gives Atletico a little bit of uh, a little bit of leeway to to be a little bit more aggressive than they would normally like to be when there's something really really on the line. If there if this really was on the line, I would be concerned for. Uh, Atletico, but the fact that they can play with a little bit more freedom, I think that they, they probably should win it. Marco Llorente won't play. He is suspended due to yellow card accumulation. Reynildo won't play either, Robbie, as he left the derby with 20 minutes to go on Sunday due to a muscular injury. The club ruled out a, a muscular tear in their medical report this morning. Thankfully, that would have been really sad to read. So, no Llorente, no Reynildo. Hermoso will be eligible for selection after uh, his one-game suspension ended. Still no Joao Felix and no Tomale Ma. So, uh, again, Atleti will be shorthanded. They'll be down, what, four players there? E even still, 
you got to think they should have enough to beat Elche. Although this is an Elche team that, that went to Betis and won at the Via Marin a couple weeks ago, just before the cup final that Betis ultimately won. They have a couple players who are reportedly of interest to Atletico in the upcoming transfer window, uh, forward Lucas Boye and uh, fullback Johan Mojica, who according to one artificial intelligence firm, Robbie, is like the best left back on the continent. Two goals, five assists for him this season. Former Rayo Vallecano left back, I'll have you know. Jeremy. That's right. That is true. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I like him. He's aggressive. He's he's uh, really really aggressive. Actually, that that's one thing that used to surprise that surprised me with him. How aggressive he is. Um, yeah, but more of a left wing back than a left back. So uh, yeah, let's see if it, if he might fit in for Atletico or whether they go for him or what the plan is there at all. I like Boye too, although the upside there with him is pretty modest, given he's now in his mid-20s. But he's the kind of forward who Simeone would covet, right? He's a guy who can lead the line on his own, really aggressive, pressing in the middle third and attacking third, holds up the ball well, can score a, a goal from relatively few shots on target. I think he has seven from 15 shots on target this season, something like that. He's overperformed his expected goals, Mark. Yeah, 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 and, and exactly like you said. I mean, that this is exactly what the kind of player that Simeone would like uh, as an attacker can lead the line, and and uh, but Bush, not the kind of player that moves the needle that far in your right. direction either. Yeah, he's not someone that that's not a star signing, right? That's not someone who um, draws a lot of social media engagement. That's not someone who gets the fans excited. But he's a player who can do a job, and he's available for a twenty-five million release clause. That is. If you're doing the math, Robbie, one fourth of a Darwin Nunez. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, but it's not going to matter because you're going to have four Marcus Llorente's next season. That's right. So <laughs> I'm just going to clone him. Llorente's is that? It's like, <laughs> uh, just going to clone Marcos four times, and and we'll be good to go. Where do you think um, Darwin ends up? Like, apropos of nothing, because so many teams are chasing him. Ooh, I don't really know. I mean, Man City have basically confirmed that they're signing Darwin Nunez, or sorry, they're signing Alan. Yeah. Man- no, Manchester City haven't. Fabrizio Romano has said that. Um, I don't know. I, th- I, I, I wonder, like, I mean, this is the first summer pre-proper pr- pandemic. Um, I think last summer we were still kind of a little bit uncertain about what was going to happen. But I think we're going to see a lot of movement this summer. Um, although, having said that, with the World Cup coming up, it, it could it could work both ways. Some players might be reluctant to move because they want to stay in their current environment in order to get the game time they need to make sure they make their, the squad for their national team. But then others will want to make a move, like, say, for example, someone like Danny Ceballos is going to probably want to move in order to put himself maybe in 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 the in Luis Enrique's thoughts for the for the World Cup, um, so yeah, given the fact that there's no World Cup, um, um, but a World Cup coming up might mean there's going to be a lot of movement. I, I I don't know Man United. I don't know how they're even going to play under Eric Ten Hag. Uh, I mean, like if you. I don't know, it's going to be interesting because Luka Jovic, a 60 million euro striker, is going to leave Real Madrid, I would imagine. Um, and he goes back, like, uh, yeah, there's loads of really interesting footballers 
that are probably going to be available and there's going to be a lot of movement uh, around the place um, and, and another another player actually I don't know what his story is but another player that never was for Atletico Madrid Rafael Santos Santos Borre yeah now at Eintracht Frankfurt yeah yeah like I mean what 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 what's what's going to happen with him like he's after he's basically leading Frankfurt to a uh, Europa League final and, and a player who could uh, he, like no, no, I'm not saying Atletico will be in for him but like kind of player who could uh, who could do, do a job for someone in Spain a Sevilla or someone like that yeah I think there's going to be loads of movement and just kind of went off on a bit of a digression there but yeah it's, <laughs> it could be could be an interesting summer all around but yeah all these forwards are, are kind of linked in a way because the teams that didn't get Dusan Vlahovic or Erling Holland will be in for Darwin Nunez that's why Nunez has so many suitors is because all these teams did not get the top two consensus top two options on the market. And then that creates a domino effect. Like, what on earth are Man United going to do this summer? No one no one seems to know. Um, and that just, it, Sorry, just uh, there's another Memphis Depay is probably going to be Memphis is going to leave Barca, yeah. And I think there's going to be quite a bit of Premier League interest in him. Yeah, but but he's he's the kind of player. And Darwin Nunez, another player. Darwin Nunez probably isn't going to sign like he's not he's not really at the top top level but he does fall into the category of maybe a a, a Spurs a United in their current form and Atletico Madrid not not that they're in the market for a nine but he, he it feels like he probably needs to go to a club like that first before making the, a potential leap into the into a different stratosphere with the likes of Real Madrid or or uh, Man City or a uh, or a uh, or a Munich or someone like that, you know. And um, so yeah, like the, 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 these players are all linked, and 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 Depay could go. I don't know. He's tried two massive clubs now. United at the time were massive, still are a massive club, but they were. Uh, that was under. That was under Van Hall, when he went to United. Yeah, Van Hall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were still kind of. Trying to convince themselves that they were serious, uh, serious, <laughs> serious contenders. Uh, so he's tried the Premier League. I think he's probably too good to be in France, uh, other than PSG. And I don't know if he'd fit a PSG. So maybe he might want to stay in Spain or try Germany. I don't know. Or maybe he might just stay at Barcelona. <laughs> so just uh, speculation. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting summer. With no international tournament this summer, it's practically just all going to be transfer rumors. Like there's going to be no international football to watch. It will just be rumor mill churning day after day after day. How exciting. Yeah, exactly. How fun. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, um, in the interim, that'll do it for this edition of Colts Nero Chat. I want to thank Robbie Dunn, my guest, for joining me on today's show. Thank you, Robbie. No problem at all, Jeremy. We'll chat to you soon. And we will be back at some point this week to discuss the Elche game and get set for the Sevilla game uh, at the Wanda Metropolitano on Saturday. That uh, Right now, it's looking like that's a bigger game for Sevilla than it is for Atletico, but we'll have to see what happens on Wednesday. Uh, does Julian Lopetegui stay at Sevilla past this season, Robbie? I know you're you're a fanboy. Yeah, I am a fanboy. I think he's going to stay, given the fact that what he just he recently came out and said, I'm, I'm where I want to be. Uh, I think the United job would have been ideal for him, but obviously that's gone. And I just don't see, there's, there's no job big enough for him because he is ready for the next step. And he's obviously not, 
Uh, PSG, you know, and I, I don't think he'll go to PSG, and this is just a question uh, side, but uh, PSG haven't announced a replacement Pochettino, have they? I don't think they have. I, I think it's. No. I don't think it's common knowledge, but it's close that <laughs> they want. They want a who? clean house there. Who? Oh, they want to clean. Oh, yeah. but I think Pochettino's is. I think that's. Con- is it confirmed? confirmed? Uh, maybe as good as confirmed. Anyway, anyway, the um, the so so um, I think I think Lopetegui is ready for the next move uh, above Sevilla or, or, or into that next level. But I just don't think that the jobs are available there yet. Maybe Chelsea might become available and he might be interested in that. But until something happens there, I would say Sevilla is his best bet to to continue on his project with his work, building his reputation and, and, and turning Sevilla into a consistent Champions League side. And with a couple more signings, I think they they might, uh, they might be able to achieve that with him. Well, we will have plenty more uh, plenty more time to discuss that later this week on the next edition of the show. In the meantime, thank you all for listening and for your continued support. You can uh, sign up on patreon.com slash chat for more bonus audio programming and exclusive goodies. Uh, Spotify, you can subscribe to the Atletico Madrid Podcast Network on Spotify. You get access to all the most recent episodes of our show, Colchonero Chat, and our sister program, the Partido a Partido Podcast. Thank you all again for listening. We will... Colch Nero chat again with you soon. Adios.